I want to bring in Bill Carey, who is in Tampa, Florida, lives in Tampa, Florida. And Bill, thanks for joining us live. Tell us what you're seeing and what's happening, what you're feeling on the ground. Well, thank you for having me. Well, what a difference 24 hours makes. Yesterday at this time, we were told that Tampa would be bracing for a sea surge. And where I live is just two miles north of upper Tampa Bay. And so our area was uh, called a B evacuation zone. And we were told to get out. I chose not to uh, because I'm in a town home and relatively safe compared to other people that are exposed. Just to give people an idea, if you're familiar with Tampa, uh, I'm pretty close to the airport equidistant to where the Phillies have spring training in Clearwater at what's now called Tam- uh, Baycare Park. I think it used to be a number of different names. But in any case, this whole area, which many people listening may be more familiar with, was under siege for the past week. And it appears now that the eye of the storm will hit somewhere between 80 to 120 miles south of us. And, Don, I know that you spent some time in Fort Myers, and it looks like it'll be in that community or just north. And if people are familiar with it, then a lot of concern has been uh, focused now on Cape Coral, where um, it's a canal community. It's built uh, so that people can have boats in their backyard. Some of it's landfill, some of it carved out. Uh, The sea surge there could be as high as 15 feet, which basically would mean that the Gulf of Mexico would become Cape Coral. It's a very sad uh, thought to have, and it's a very strange situation. If you're living in the Tampa Bay area, of course you're grateful that it looks like we'll miss the brunt of this, but there's always some other place where landfall will hit where people are going to pay a price. And to watch this unfold in slow motion at 13 miles an hour as the storm tracks to land, we're going to see where it hits sometime around 5 o'clock today. It will hit as a Category 4, and it will start to dissipate, but the force of a 4 will bring 155-mile-hour winds to some parts of the shoreline, not everywhere. Uh, And as it travels inland, and I'll tick off communities that I'm sure people know, uh, south of Sarasota by the airport, Lakewood uh, Village and Ranch, and up toward Orlando, it will become at some point a Category 1, and it will hit Orlando either as a 1 or a strong tropical storm and then keep tracing north and east up to Daytona. And, Bill, that's what I'm looking at now, that Cape Coral, large part of Cape Coral and Fort Myers, they're along the uh, the river, are likely, they're saying now, to go underwater. And it all depends on, you know, high tide. We won't know till this afternoon. But even Naples, that area, will see slightly less, 7 to 11 feet of water rising. That's still being forecast near the coast this afternoon. You, you talked and about... And what that means... Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead, go ahead Bill. Yeah, what what that means for people who live in some of these communities, it's carved out land that either existed or had landfill so that homes, very modest homes, could be built. And many people migrated from the Midwest and the North down here as retirement or as just a new way of living and put a boat in their back. These are not strong homes. They tend to be older, built in the 70s and 80s for much of the communities that are there, they're not up to the standards that, say, the last 20 to 25 years of new code reinforcement after 
uh, Hurricane Andrew in Miami, which was a marker for everybody in the 90s, um, it, it, they're not up to those standards. So they're vulnerable to a rise in water anyway. But we're talking about something that's never been seen before. We're talking about a wall of water coming in, which basically is the Gulf of Mexico, and wiping some of these communities, some of these neighborhoods out completely. It will certainly redefine the map. If you look at the coast, the Gulf Coast of Florida, there are barrier islands along uh, Naples and Fort Myers, and some people have vacationed there. They know the Sanibel Island, for example. There are some barrier islands that are out far, farther from Sanibel and other communities. Uh, they're talking about just redefining the map, that the Gulf will just uh, embrace these uh, islands and the map will be forever changed. Yeah, that's and you brought up a good point, you know, that there are so many people I think of, you know, I immediately I'm texting friends and family in the Fort Myers, Naples area. And we're all doing that here in the Philadelphia, South Jersey region along the East Coast, because so many people have properties or family and friends. And one of my girlfriends, Colleen, they're not leaving because her mom won't leave. So now right now in real time, literally, they're carrying her mom getting her mom, her husband, Colleen's husband, and husband and son, carrying Dolores to her home. They're on a canal up on a little higher ground, but they're in Naples, Florida, and see this is changing now. So, you know, all of us are just so worried, and they're worried, but part of the reason they didn't evacuate was that elderly mom who said, nope, I'm staying here, I'm not going. And that's the case a lot of times for people who say, I survived decades of storms, I'm in my 80s, I'm not leaving. Well, uh, to that point, we've been hearing about this now for a week. The forecasting has been um, on point, and that includes telling everybody the vagarities of a big storm system like this. When you track it hour by hour, it's not a straight line like you see those spaghetti strand models that are the predictors of where it will go. It actually darts a little to the left, a little to the right, a little to the north, a little to the left again. And I would say now that we're four hours or less away from it hitting, now you have a degree of certainty. Just to give you an idea, this is the second largest uh, hurricane in terms of the eye and the first wall. And that's where all the power and the strength and the wind and, and the rain is. And this is the second largest. So this is cutting across something like a 70-mile diameter. And we now know much better what that give or take 100 miles of full force is going to be. So yesterday, 24 hours ago, she was right. She, was, she could stay home and not really be concerned except for getting some wind and more rain than she's used to, because it looked like it was coming to Tampa. Yes. But now it's different. Now, for anybody listening that has loved ones, now there's a greater degree of certainty exactly where it's going to land. If you're in an A zone or even a B zone, if you're near the water, you really have to consider that this is not like anything that anybody has ever seen. Florida has not been hit with 155 mile an hour wind. Granted, That's only going to be a small sliver of a community that gets that full brunt as it comes on land. But sustained winds over 100 miles an hour will be the norm for the communities where it enters 
uh, Florida's first land uh, landfall and then cuts across. It will dissipate, but that will be later into the evening as it starts to travel up north mm-hmm. and in the middle of Florida. If you're along the coastline and you have a stubborn relative <laughs> and you know now that they're in the line of fire, impress upon them that they only have about three, four hours at most, and it's already windy there. Naples yeah. is getting regular sustained winds of 40 to 60 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, Bill Carey talking about the breaking news situation as Hurricane Ian at a you know Category 4, nearly a Category 5, they're saying, striking the Gulf Coast of Florida. You know, Bill, I've known you for many years when I was a cub reporter hired at CBS in Chicago. And for anybody who doesn't know the name, you're you're what we call a biggity big in the industry. Um, you know, news director across the nation, CBS in Chicago, New York, Tampa. I mean, really, you have a wealth of experience in media coverage. I loved working for you. I say, you know, you're somebody who certainly formed my career as a journalist. And it, it strikes me that we don't see much in the national so-called mainstream media that right now, and we have, you know, prayer groups, we, we have people praying for people's safety and the faith-based nature that's been really extracted from our media and something that used to be a regularity in the media no longer even gets a mention. It's something that you certainly have seen happen during your career, Bill. Well, it, well, it is. And it's, it's funny that you're, you're talking about that because, um, I have seen an absence on local media in Tampa today of any um, talk of people running to churches or uh, even hearing from people in the community that would in- normally include clergy. So the trend has been away. I mean, look, uh, the, the media in general, uh, I think, um, uh, perhaps naively, but uh, maybe well-intentioned, would try to show that they were open to all faiths, and that became showing that they didn't talk to any faiths so that they weren't accused of being uh, favorable to one or the other. I I think it's just a big miss. I think many in the media uh, just miss how important spirituality and faith is to the viewers that they're serving. Um, I think many people in the media, if I'm going to paint a broad brush, uh, are agnostic uh, professionally and prefer not to deal with it. Uh, And yet um, it's a big part of many people's lives and needs to be part of the mosaic of reporting uh, because this is what people do. I know that people down here in Florida, and this happens for any uh, cataclysmic event will turn inward and pray or talk to loved ones and people will bestow blessings. Um, I can't say that I've seen any coverage like that here. And so your, your thought about it being less over the years, I would agree with, uh, there is a sliver of hope because I think one of the things that talking to people of faith, Uh, as part of this type of coverage, offers people is some hope. It's doom and gloom uh, when you talk about this. And you you do need to talk about that because there is life and death. But people also need hope. Mm -hmm. And so for people listening that do have loved ones in southwest Florida in particular, uh, I will offer this. Uh, It was pointed out by one of the weather people that Saturday, Sunday, and Monday will be sunshine days 
low 80s and at night in the low 60s. And the reason why that's important is many power outages are expected to last for a week. And this will be the first time uh, since last winter that we go that low at night. And that will mean that people won't need their air conditioners. They'll be able to open the windows if they don't have power. And at least that will be one relief and bright thought in trying to pull out of this. Well, Bill Carey beautifully said as a a news executive, as well as one of the hundreds of thousands of people, really millions of people, I guess, bracing on the Gulf side of Florida as this hurricane hits. Bill, we certainly wish you well. Godspeed. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Bill Carey. And yeah, the truth that uh, certainly hope is built on faith, no doubt. So we thank Bill for joining us.